0: Yes, good morning. It's really good to see you. My name is Quincy, one of the leaders here. And if you are with us for the first time, especially warm welcome to you. And you join us at the end of a four-part series that we've been doing on sex and sexuality. And we've been delivering talks that are Bible-based and they're drawn from a series that was done in Wimbledon by Everyday Church Wimbledon. Uh, back in the autumn. They are in the same family of churches as us, and we are entirely grateful to them uh, for that because we've based our series on that same series. And today we're going to conclude the series by getting an understanding of the topic of transgender and considering how to respond well together. And it's worth noting at this point that we're not going to be quoting large swathes of scripture uh, from the Bible, though the Bible is our very basis for our response and i just want to say as we end the series that it's really the start of a conversation this series it's it's not all to be addressed from this place from the front it's actually um, a time uh, where we've been able to have conversations with people and we're happy to continue having conversations about anything we've covered across this talk so i really hope you feel confident in doing that uh, and in being able to come and talk to any one of the team who you feel most comfortable with, or even your life group leader perhaps uh, would be better. But we just wanna encourage that as well. And uh, I've got a number of really great books and resources um, if you would like to go into a particular topic in more depth or a particular question. So just come and see me. I've got some books with me today. You can come and borrow those if you want to. But we're gonna get back onto today's topic now. And before we do that, I'm going to pray, so why don't you pray with me if you'd like to. Father God, we want to praise you that your glory and goodness is declared across the whole of creation and that you are with us and you sent us Jesus so we could see God incarnate and see just how much he loves people and you love us and everybody in this world. And I pray um, as we get into this topic together that you would send your Holy Spirit to speak to us and that you would be glorified through it in your name. Amen. So gender and transgender came to the fore around 2015 when Bruce Jenner, a gold medal winning athlete, declared in an interview that he was now going to become a woman, having lived 60 years plus as a biological male. And he was quoted as saying from this point on, by all intents and purposes, I am a woman. And soon after that, he transitioned and appeared on the front of Vanity Fair magazine in a now-famous image and cover article, which you may have seen, and Jenna now lives as Caitlyn Jenner. Now, this began, among many other events, a fast-paced change in our culture, and it sparked discussion about public toilets and pronouns and prisons where transgender prisoners might go to. And these debates may have been our only window into this topic, thus far however behind all of those things and discussions and debates there are real people and there's real struggling and genuine suffering for those people and so to start with we're going to just take a moment to think about these people and hear two different stories from two different people um, called Leo and I'm going to read you their story and I am going to use the pronouns they themselves would use as a show of respect to them And they will change during the story, so don't be thrown by that. But let me introduce you to the first Leo, Leo W. Leo W. was born as Lily, biologically female. And at an early age, Lily demonstrated an interest in boys' clothes and toys. And then at age five, chopped off some of her own hair to make herself look more like a boy. Now, around that time, she began to live as a boy under the name of Leo. And At age 11, Leo legally changed his name, and at 12, took puberty blockers to prevent the natural onset of puberty so that his body wouldn't change into a biologically female body. At age 16, Leo took testosterone, resulting in some changes to make his body more masculine, and his intention is at age 18 to have sex reassignment surgery. Now, Leo was in a BBC documentary. He starred in it, in fact, and you can see it. You can look it up if you want to. And you can see in this documentary, as Leo describes his situation, the genuine distress that it has caused him when he has to talk about this disconnect between body and mind, how he feels one thing, but his body says another. And to show you kind of the severity of this, there's a quote from a newspaper who quoted Leo saying this, If I had to live life as a girl, I'd probably kill myself. Now that's the story of Leo W, and we need to grasp that this topic is not about pronouns, it's about people. Leo uh, is just one of two. Let me introduce you to another Leo. Um, Born Louise, biologically female, Louise had a really tough childhood. She had several major operations as she was growing up in the early years, and her mother was sadly diagnosed with cancer when she was four and died when she was age 11, and she enjoyed school, enjoyed drama, loved baking, but also struggled with her gender identity. And she began to feel that though she'd grown up a girl, she should have been a boy. And as a, tran- as a teenager, she transitioned to live as Leo. And in April 2017, Leo had his first appointment at the gender clinic. But sadly, by May, the battle had become too much for Leo, and he ended his own life in his bedroom. But on a memorial webpage, Leo's family said, Leo struggled with his social anxiety and relationships and was worried about what others thought of him. He finally took his own life rather than spend the rest of his life feeling there was no place in the world for those like himself. You see, the first thing we need to understand is that this is actually all about people and not about the pronouns and debates and other things we've mentioned. And that understanding has got to shape any response that we're going to make. Because the reality is that for those who experience this, have this transgender experience, it's actually really, really difficult. And this experience is being used in a wider debate across our culture as well, our society. There's an ideology out there which you may have noticed, may have heard about, a way of thinking that tries to push people towards the idea that there is no difference between men and women. They're trying to erase the sexual differentiation between the two, and we need to think about that as well. We need to take that on board and say, what does God say about that? And how do we, if we follow Jesus, respond to that appropriately? But even then, when we're working that out, we need to remember that there are people behind every discussion, behind every debate, behind every question that we might ask. And so we today are going to do two things we are going to develop our understanding collectively of this topic of transgender that we're talking about this morning. And once we've done that, we're going to grasp how to respond well. And to do that, we're going to look at three principles together for approaching any conversation or discussion around the topic. So first, let's understand some terms together to help us respond, not out of ignorance, not out of fear, but from a place of understanding. We're going to describe the terms that are in your notes this morning, so hopefully you can see them. Firstly, let's let's look at the term transgender. This is a term describing people whose experienced gender identity does not match their biological sex. There's a disconnect between mind and body. Next, biological sex identification as male or female based on physical anatomy and genetics. This is essentially what your body reveals, what your body might say about you and whether you're male or female. The next term is gender identity, an individual's personal intent, internal sense of being a man or a woman. Now, this experienced internal sense of being a man or a woman, or even somewhere on the spectrum, more is what, more what the mind is saying, male, female, or neither. It's how does the person feel? And for most people, body and mind say the same thing, they go together. But for some people, there is this genuine experience where the body says one thing, but the mind says something different. And it can be truly distressing, as we've heard. And the medical term for this condition is gender dysphoria. Now, it's also worth understanding another term. That term is intersex, which is quite different, but sometimes gets unhelpfully mixed in to the conversation. And so intersex is described in this way. It's a term describing people whose biological sex is ambiguous because their physical anatomy or genetics do not match what is expected for either male or female. This is about there being ambiguity in the physical form, and it is different from transgender. And people who are intersex have some aspects about their body that don't make it clear whether they should identify as male or female, but most of them actually do identify as one or the other, and they don't tend to identify as transgender, um, and it's a far less common and a completely different issue. And due to time, we're not going to be able to get into it into a great deal of detail today. But it is really, in- really helpful to get a handle on these terms and understand what they mean. And so they are going to help us respond in the right way. They're going to help us learn how to respond to people like the Leos we mentioned who genuinely struggle with this topic. And so these three principles, helpfully, all begin with C. So you will hopefully remember them. And they're going to help us respond in private. They're going to help us respond in public uh, to anyone we might meet. And these are the three principles we're going to hold to today. Compassion, conviction, and comfort. So let's begin with compassion. The first thing we need to have in our heart and mind is compassion. We need to respond with compassion, and we've already heard, again, from the two Leos that the experience can be so challenging and so painful, but actually those two Leos I mentioned are not unique. There was a study taken just a couple of years ago of school pupils in the UK, and found, it found that 84% of transgender students had self-harmed and 45% attempted suicide. Other studies of a similar demographic showed similar stats, and these stats are painfully high, Uh, For self-harm and suicide among those who identify as transgender. And the research suggests that actually it's people's responses to those who identify as transgender that causes the aforementioned problems. The negative response of people, the rejection, the discrimination, the verbal abuse makes their lives even harder. And just to ground this for you again, we're going to here a couple of stories from, from real people who um, uh, were recorded in a study from 2018 in the UK. James, age 47, from the southeast, describes his experience. He says, I'm a trans man and I've been stalked for over two years now from an unknown person. During this time, I've received anonymous threatening letters. I've had two letters containing razor blades and one which contained a toxic substance which burned my hands, face, and eyes. I've been beaten up three times. And a second story from Sylvia, age 30, from Wales. She describes her experience at work, which was that, I was bullied into self-harm, suicidal ideation, and resigned as I felt I had no other option. And now struggling to get a job because I'm transgender. And these are just another couple of heartbreaking stories of what it's like to be transgender in this country, society at the moment. And so the first thing we need to ensure, I believe, is that we're not part of the problem here. We need to examine our own hearts and our own attitudes and, uh, and when we think about the topic and in developing the, the talk, I, I can tell you honestly, I've changed. God's been working on me as, as I've been working on this and uh, I hope we, we're open to being affected in the same way and, and changing means being really careful about what we say on this topic. Face to face and online, we've got to try and imagine what one of the Leos might think about what we would actually say Uh, whether it's written in text or spoken. And equally on that wider cultural trend, we've got to be really careful, again, about what we say because it's a real painful issue we're actually commenting on. And this means there's no place for joking. There is no place for joking among Christians, in churches, outside of churches. But when we pause for a moment like we are today, refrain from joking, actually consider the whole topic and the people involved, we can choose to respond with compassion, which is exactly what Jesus does. Jesus sets the example for us. Now, you can check this out in the Gospels. Uh, Whenever Jesus comes across someone who is hurting or suffering or in distress, he shows compassion. And we're going to look at an example from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 14, verse 14. And Jesus is having a really busy time. He's having a really uh, full-on public ministry where he's healing people and speaking to people and teaching. And actually, this intense time means he has to go away and retire. He has to take a bit of time out. But when he comes back, because he's been out on a boat, he lands on the shore and there's still people there. And we can read this verse from fourteen fourteen, which says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And so even though Jesus is just wanting a bit of space, a bit of t- downtime, he still responds with compassion. And it's, it's hard to do that uh, at the best of times. Uh, even when you're tired, it must be even harder to do. But he loves people. This was always his response. He's deeply moved in himself and when he, when he encountered suffering. And that should be the way we respond as well. And We're in a unique position to do this as followers of Jesus because we've received God's love. We know what it's like to be loved and forgiven and we can pour that out and onto others and we can comfort others because God is our great comforter. We can be part of the solution and if you're anything like me, you wanna know what that looks like, you wanna know what you have to do on the ground. Well, if you encounter, meet someone who is genuinely struggling with this, um, there's two things I think that we need to do. We need to listen. We need to just listen to that person and most of us can't relate directly perhaps to what the person might be going through and it it must be a a really lonely place to be in but just having someone listen and allow you to share and open up and connect enables that person to feel valued so we can definitely do that we can make sure we respond in that way and then once we've listened we can express love towards that person and we might even find that it's appropriate to offer some form of help or support As well. But those two things, listen and express love, uh, are what we can do. And by doing those things, we can show a world that doesn't believe that you can love somebody if you don't agree with what they're doing, that actually the opposite is true. You can love someone with whom you don't agree about everything. It is possible. And the world might not believe it, but we do. We can see that again from Jesus. He loves us, He loves you. And we get to show his heart. We get to show God's heart and demonstrate that love for people. And so whenever we do meet someone with whom, for whom this is a real issue, we need to start with compassion. That's the first one. The second one is conviction. So compassion and also conviction. And conviction means being firmly rooted and standing on what is true and what, uh, believing what God says is always good news. And so we love people, but we also love truth as well and this is particularly relevant again when we're thinking about that wider cultural move the ideology i mentioned uh, the removal of differentiation between men and women we need to know what god says on that and stand firm on it and rather than trying to come up with a response to every question or conversation or discussion or scenario we can actually again point people back to what the bible says a bit like jesus did in the first one in this series he points people back right to genesis right to the beginning And we can do that. We can stand on the scripture and point back to it. You see, the Bible teaches us that our identity, who we truly are, the core of who we are, the core of our being is actually given to us by God. And the fundamental misunderstanding of our culture and what we're seeing happen around this topic of transgender is that our culture believes that how we feel is who we are. And therefore, it says to you, the culture if you feel you're a woman, regardless of what your body reveals and regardless of your history, then you are a woman, and then affirms that as who you feel is who you are, and then it's told to those who feel it that that is the only pathway to true satisfaction. But the Bible says that true satisfaction, completeness, and wholeness actually come from living in line with how God has created us, and the Creator put in parameters in which we can flourish, and it's an an over-simplistic, oversimplistic illustration of this is a fish in water. If you take a fish out of water, out of its parameters, it can't flourish. And we flourish when we live in line with how God has created us and when we do what as creatures we're meant to do, which is recognize our creator and his plan and trust that it is good. We're the pinnacle of creation, human beings. We are the only ones made in God's image, made it to have inherent dignity and worth. And that means that actually all of us are called to represent God on earth. And we can read in Genesis how God designed that. It's reflected in male and female. We're going to go to Genesis 1, verse 27. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God is reflected in two parts, male and female. Not in one part, not in three, not in a hundred, but in two male and female. And it means what we call the gender binary, the idea that you're either male or female, is right there at the start of the Bible, is a good thing. It's set in place. And this identity is either male or female, it's actually given by God. And it's hardwired into our body. It's it's revealed externally in our genitalia, it's revealed internally in our gonads, in our bodies reproductive organs and it's in our chromosomes it's in our cells at that level as well God speaks to us through our bodies who we're meant to be the Bible tells us is embodied beings and the bodies are really important they're not just shells in which the real you rattles around in somewhere no it's all part of who you are and therefore uh, what God says to us in the body really does reveal what we're truly like and who we truly are and that means that the best thing for us is to live in line with how God has made us. Now this means that when our minds disagree, we need to try to bring our mind in line with what God said to us through our body. We look at the body, and rather than trying to match that up with the mind, we get the mind to line up with the body. And one of the really odd things, perhaps, about transgender is that it's almost the only example where our culture affirms mind over body. In almost every other similar circumstance, we pretty much all agree that we should help the mind come into line with the body. Here's an example for you. We could use the example of anorexia. And it's a really difficult area, and lots of people are struggling and suffering, and some of us may have even experienced that. For someone who is anorexic, their body is telling them that they desperately need food, but their mind tells them they don't and they shouldn't eat. And I suspect that we'd all agree that in that moment, in that circumstance, the most loving thing to do is to help someone who's struggling with that bring their mind in line with their body. As a second example, there are others who have trans experiences of a different kind. And again, I suspect the vast majority of us would automatically uh, uh, encourage them to defer to the body, not the mind. So there are people who identify as trans-abled, they're able-bodied people but they believe themselves and feel themselves to be disabled. And some people who feel this way would go to extreme lengths to match their body up with their mind, they would go and amputate a limb. And I think the vast majority of us instantly know that actually we should be helping those people bring their mind in line with their body, but for some reason, Transgender is that one example where society has reverted that idea. Our society says they ought to listen to the mind rather than what's revealed in the body. And so biblical teaching will show us that from an active and loving place of compassion that recognizes that people are struggling with the disconnect and it's causing them distress, we can also stand firm on the scriptures. We can also stand firm on what God has said through his word in the Bible And what his plan for humankind's flourishing actually is. Now, for clarity, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then we're not expecting you to live this way or agree with the Bible or live how Jesus tells you to live. In fact, we'd be surprised if you did, and we're certainly not here to force you to believe something you don't want to believe. However, if you are a follower of Jesus who might be wrestling with your own gender identity or considering transitioning, to the opposite sex, you might also be wondering, "Oh, what? Right. now, what do I do? How do I practically follow Jesus?" And uh, I'm just going to spend a few minutes on that. And I'm aware, um, just before I do, that this um, is not something that's going to be really easy, and it's not something that's going to be really simple for someone in that position. Um, but practically, for the Christian, following Jesus means seeking to live in line with biological sex what the body reveals, rather than what the mind says. And this practically would mean retaining one's original name, wearing clothes that are deemed culturally appropriate and in keeping with that biological sex, and not seeking a medical intervention to transition to the opposite sex. It would also mean seeking the love and support of a church community as you walk a really difficult path. And it won't be easy, but with Jesus... It will be possible. And for someone who has already transitioned, already living as the opposite sex, having gone through all the various ways of doing that, well firstly I'd suggest whether you're here with us or part of a different church that actually you speak to your leaders about this. They're given to you as shepherds, as guides, particularly even elders in fact are given as shepherds to look after us and support us and it's going to be. They're going to be people you want to involve in order to help you and support you. And again, it won't be easy. But journeying towards living in line with biological one's uh, one's biological sex would include, in that case, reverting to one's original name, again wearing clothes in keeping with one's biological sex, and slowly coming off treatments and hormone treatments and so on, medical interventions in conversation with uh, medical professionals to help you do that, and of course. It's too much of a broad-brush statement to try and address that from here. I I confess that to you. I admit that to you. And the complexities and the, the difficulties and details will be different between every individual. But that conversation will need to continue in the context of a loving church family and its elders. And we want to say again openly as leaders here and myself and the team that we recognize that it will be really difficult to work this kind of stuff out and it would be really hard to share it. But from the off, we want to show care and love for anyone for whom it's a real issue. And so if you are wrestling with either of those things or maybe something I hadn't mentioned, uh, then do speak to myself or whoever you feel most comfortable with about that. We want to love you, we want to look after you and, and care for you and support you. And so as we looked at some of the real practicalities, it's also worth hearing some of the stories of those who have de-transitioned. And these are stories that are often suppressed by the media. They don't tell them very often. And they're stories of people who have transitioned and then to the opposite sex and then actually found in doing so, it didn't solve all their problems. It didn't make things easier or remove their difficulties. It actually perhaps even made things harder. And then they've decided to transition back to their biological sex. Stories like these i'm going to read you a couple of in a moment raise serious questions for us as a society they they get us thinking they they make us think well okay what is the best approach what really is the best way to help someone who's struggling in this area so let me give you two stories the first story uh, is of a person called crash crash socially transitioned at age 18 which means she began to present and live as a man and started taking testosterone at age 20 but then she said this taking testosterone didn't get to the root of my suffering it only relieved it temporarily i came out of my transition with as many of the same problems as i had before and then some being supported in my trans identity didn't help me letting go of it and accepting myself as a woman did since i started to accept myself as a woman and worked through my trauma i've gotten a whole lot more satisfaction and i feel much happier and much more functional overall So that's just one story. Let's have another story from someone called Walt Heyer. And Walt Heyer, cross-dressed for many years, he then had sex reassignment surgery at the age of 42 and lived as Laura Jensen, and this is what he has said since. He said, To a person undergoing gender transition, in the beginning it feels like the right thing to do, even exciting for the first few months or years. I felt at peace for the first four or five years after I transitioned, And then I realized the high cost of that tenuous peace. It's a marvelous distraction for a while, but it isn't a permanent solution when the underlying issues remain unaddressed. Again, these are real-life people, real-life stories, and they're heartbreaking because all these people are made in the image of God. They're all made and loved by him and were often pushed into transitioning because they were told it was the only thing that would stop them committing suicide. And for some, even though they've de-transitioned, the effects will have a lifelong impact. Feel for them. And it's not simple. The stories aren't to say, the stories I've delivered aren't to say that this is simple and that just staying with your biological sex should be what you do and just be done with it. It's not as easy as that and it's not as simple as that. But the particular stories there suggest that actually transitioning may not be the wisest or most helpful thing to do. The stories we've heard actually support what the Bible says. And that ultimately the best thing is, although it might be difficult and painful, to live in line with one's biological sex and not go with what the mind might say as an experienced gender identity. So compassion is important and conviction is also important for us if we're going to respond. We've got to be sure about what the Bible tells us and what's revealed in our bodies and stand on that conviction. The third principle is comfort, and we're going to conclude with this one. Followers of Jesus, we're uniquely positioned to bring comfort because we know God's story. And I'm going to explain that story and how comfort and hope come through it. And you can read it in the Bible if you want to. But it starts again way back at the beginning in the book of Genesis when God spoke creation into existence. And everything was good. Men and women were created in his image and they were very good. Harmony existed and everything was designed and functioning exactly as it should. Then that perfection was broken. Humankind rebelled against God. They listened to Satan who said, did God really say you can't take that fruit? Claire mentioned it earlier on, that moment in time where the perfection was broken. And that moment when sin entered the world explains the pain and suffering, including that which is caused by this transgender transgender experience that exists today. Because that harmony was broken, things no longer functioned as they were supposed to. And it's the reason why the connection between body and mind don't always match up. And this isn't something necessarily that's just, you know, restricted to transgender because we'd all have times, I think, in our lives where we, what we feel doesn't match up with what we know to be solid reality. If you are a follower of Jesus today with us, you'll probably have experienced times like this where you know God loves you, but in the moment you don't feel it. Sometimes we have to wrestle with what we're feeling and what is actual reality. And it's because sin of sin in the world, the brokenness in the world, that that exists. And so at this point, all might seem lost in God's story. It might seem like a really bad story to you at this moment if you stopped it there. But you know, in, this, in that point, in this time, God and humans are separated by sin. The original design smashed, but then later in the grand narrative, after Genesis... Hope comes. Hope arrives in the form of Jesus. He comes to earth around 2,000 years before now, and he comes deliberately to deal with that problem of sin and brokenness in the world. That's why he came. He lives a perfect life that we couldn't live while he is here, and then chooses to lay his own life down on the cross for us, to take sin, to become sin and brokenness for us, that we wouldn't need to face the consequences. He died on that cross. He was buried in a rich man's tomb. And then there was silence. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, victorious over all those things the brokenness, the sin, the death. And his followers are then promised the Holy Spirit, the helper. Jesus declares that the Holy Spirit, God Himself, comes to live inside of us when we put our faith in Jesus and He helps us walk in step with God. And then he points us to a future day, which we can read about in the book of Revelation. It's a really wonderful day when everything will be made right again, where we won't live in the now and not yet. We will live with God. It says in Revelation 21, 3b-4, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will live them, with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the former things passed away. There will be no more tears on that day. Transgender experience and pain and distress and difficulty that come with it will cease among many other things. And that's the hope in God's story that is given to us all. Hope in Jesus that he can bring those who are struggling with this to a point of comfort. Now, what about the now, you might ask? Well, God has given us at least two things to help us as we walk towards that day mentioned in Revelation there. Firstly, God gives us himself, the Holy Spirit. We've been doing a discipleship stream on it. It's been really good. It's gone really well. And God has been speaking to us in the now, in the present, through that. And over time, like I mentioned, the Holy Spirit is transforming us, changing our views and attitude like he's changed mine. And through the pain and struggles we may face, we have the Holy Spirit to help us. We can lift these things up to him by him. Secondly, God gives us the church. He gives me you, and he gives you me, which is exciting for me, maybe less for you. But the, the point is, he gives everybody each other, a family, a unit, where actually we are looking we're all looking to be like jesus we're all looking to become more like him and this is good for us this is a place where we can be loved support one another love one another have people who will weep with us and care for us and help us when we need it and this is god's better story god's better response to transgender experience it's a story that makes sense of what's happening right now and brings genuine hope that it won't always be like this it's a story which though it won't be easy to live in now is a story in which it makes it possible to live now followers of jesus we're in a unique position to bring comfort to those who are struggling and suffering in this area we can be the people who do that transgender is a topic that we can't ignore it's being discussed it's being debated all around us and so it's vital that we're well informed and we respond out of a place of understanding and it's key that we stand as followers of jesus on god's word what the bible says we point people back to it and that we combine those three c's together that we come with compassion we also come with conviction but then we point people to the comfort of the gospel which i've summarized for you today and that There is an opportunity here for us to live our lives in a way where we can be the kind of church, the kind of Christians who actually make a difference in this area and bring those heartbreaking statistics down of self-harm and suicide among the transgender community and bring comfort to them. And so, I'm going to pray in a moment, but I just want to remind you again that this isn't the end of the conversation. We're just getting into this. We're just getting our head around it. We're just trying to understand it. And if there's anything today I've said that you want to question, you want to discuss with me, uh, then I'm really open to that. The other leaders are also open to that. Anything from the last four weeks, if you want any of those books I mentioned as well, do come and talk about it because this isn't a closed lid uh, on this topic. It's the end of a series, but it's not the end of the discussion. So please do that and, uh, and be encouraged. Uh, it might be hard. It might not be nice. It might not be comfortable to do this kind of things. It's so important. It's so relevant as well to the people that we're looking to bring comfort and hope to. Let's pray together, and then I'll finish. Father God, thank you so much that you have written that great story down in your Bible, that we have the story to take to those in the world around us, that we have so much hope and so much joy to look forward to in the form of becoming more like Jesus, God. And I pray for us as a church right now. I pray that you would make us even more like Jesus. Lord, let people from this place go and be compassionate towards those who are suffering. Go and be able to stand gently but securely on your word and be convicted by it. And Lord, enable us to go and comfort those who need your love, need your heart, need your self to be demonstrated to them. We pray for all this to be enabled by your Holy Spirit. Come and fill us right now to do all that, we pray. In your name, amen. I'm going to hand back to you, Kevin.